Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. We're embarking on an eight-week journey today um, through the Lord's Prayer. And it's because we wanted, as a leadership team, we're thinking, we want to start this year off with prayer. We know how central and important it is to the life of a Christian, but also to the life of a church. You can't do anything without prayer. So we want to understand prayer better. We want to understand the why of prayer. And also, we want to help each other grow in prayer. So this series is actually based off a course, and we're hoping that it will help you to grow in your prayer life. And perhaps some of you participated, actually, in the Tuesday night prayer room with Ladea. Anyone attend any of those sessions with Ladea? A few people. Um, And you may recall that when she was running it, she did a similar exercise where we journey through the Lord's Prayer and we practice different forms of prayer. So basically, we're going to be doing a similar thing on the Sunday gatherings, is looking at the different aspects of the Lord's Prayer and how that relates to um, the different ways that we can pray. Before I get started, though, uh, anyone have, did you have a good Christmas, everyone? Have a good Christmas? Did you spend some time with the family? Yeah, we did. We were over in England, as Lynn said, and um, really honored this morning to have my mother-in-law in the house, Dr. Ava Carltorp. She's um, a jet setter. We're always FaceTiming her, and she's in different parts of the world, like in Korea or in Iceland, really exotic places, um, working with um, helping people to hear through uh, cochlear implants. And uh, so it's a lot of very cutting edge technology that she got involved in. And so really an inspiration for our family. Four kids, nine grandchildren. That's right. Have I lost count? Um, so just a real amazing and an incredible gardener as well in her spare time. I don't know where she gets the spare time. She doesn't really have any. But <laughs> so welcome. Good to be preaching uh, with you in the house this morning. So. As I said, so we thought this would be a really good way to start our year. But I should give credit where credit is due. This is based on a prayer course by 24-7 Prayer. Anyone heard of 24-7 Prayer? It's a a network, a movement, um, trying to really engage people in prayer. And the leader of that movement is a guy called Pete Greek. And he's written a book called How to Pray, uh, um, A Simple Guide for Normal People, I think it's called. If you're on the Bible app, by the way, Version Bible app, we have an event for today where you can follow all the references, and I've chucked in the links to the books and other material, so you can just find us under events or look under our church. I have the youth version of that book called How to Pray, A Guide for Young Explorers, and if you are a parent, I can really recommend this for young children. It's brilliant, and to be honest, it's probably better than the adult version because it's so well broken down and simplified that it just gets to the gold straight away. And I was actually practicing a little bit of that just now. When we paused, we rejoiced, we asked, and then we said yes to God. And it's a simple method, P-R-A-Y, pray, that is in this book. And it's just such a great way to teach your kids how to pray and learn something as you go along together. Okay, I'm very excited to kick off the series. Uh, it's going to be a real adventure because there's nothing more exciting than really connecting and communicating with the living God. Now, the word prayer perhaps does an injustice, I think so, to what we're really talking about this morning and then over the next eight weeks. You know, with my wife, Lynn, 
if you heard we don't spend time together and I don't listen to her and we don't talk to each other, you might question the quality of our marriage. You say, that's not a very good marriage. Even though that we have a marriage certificate dated July 18th, 2010, it doesn't really matter because you would judge it on our relationship, right? That's what a marriage is all about. And I think in the same way, in your relationship with God, it's not just enough to have a baptismal certificate or a membership to a church. You have to have a relationship with him. Our prayer is that by the end of this series, you'll be better at hearing God's voice. You'll be experiencing more of his presence. And I hope you have processed some of your disappointments in prayer and maybe your struggles in prayer. And I think you'll even be experiencing more miracles because you'll be learning how to unlock the power of prayer. Now, basically, the goal of this series is to help you grow in that relationship. And this series is for normal people. We are going to try to keep it simple, but we're going to cover a lot of ground. That's why we're taking eight weeks to do it. Now, I'm aware that some people here are pretty new to Christianity, and so it's going to be accessible for you. And others probably have been Christian for what feels like an eternity. Um, but actually, there's always more to learn. And the truth is, is that everybody, I mean, I, I think pretty much everybody, it doesn't matter if you call yourself a Christian, prays. We all do, even, even if we don't really recognize that it is prayer. I'll just give you some examples of that. I remember the first time I held our son Levi. I prayed, and I think it was something like, please, God, don't let me mess this up. It was a nerve, I was a nervous wreck. But most people would relate to that, even non-churchgoers. It's just, you know, you just feel like I'm not enough. So you kind of cry out to something bigger than yourself, like, oh, help me. And in times of wonder, like I remember climbing Mount Sinai on a holiday with my wife in Egypt, and prayer was a natural response to the beauty of what I saw. It was just incredible. I'd never seen mountains like that. And then think about in times of vulnerability, like when I learned my father had cancer, for example. You better believed I prayed. And when it became clear he would be okay, I couldn't help but thank God. And it wasn't me trying to do this religious thing. It was just to be human, to pray. Strong emotions, they evoke a response in us that is reaching, I believe, for the heavenly you hear it done searchingly in secular art and songs. You know, people talk about the power of love or just there's just something mysterious. There's something incredible. There's something bigger that's going on than can be explained, right? But perhaps the only difference between that kind of art and, and prayer is that prayer is orientated towards a person that we know, that we have a relationship with. Now, the word prayer in the Latin is precarious, and I think that's exactly right. We pray because life is precarious, and it's marvelous, and it's wonderful. It's too big for our heads and our hearts to contain. Rabbi Abraham Heschel puts it beautifully. He says, prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Now, Instead of me trying to do a good job of explaining this, I thought Pete Greek had a really good video. Some wacky animations, but I think you get the essence of it. So I'm just going to roll that video. I hope that helped a little bit with the illustration there. We're going to be doing our own little prayer uh, room. 
gathering this, uh, I think it starts on the 15th to the 21st. We're having a week of prayer and fasting. And on the Thursday night, we're going to be joining with other churches who are going to be coming here hosting a prayer night as well. So we're going to get practical in this as well. And in the connect groups, we're also going to be going through the material and engaging with it in different exercises as well. So I hope you can all get involved and learn something and hopefully grow in your prayer life as individuals as well. So in this series, we're working through the Lord's Prayer, and it might make sense to take a look at that together now. So this is in Luke 11, 1 to 4, where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, and we read, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You can get the full version, I think, in Matthew. The one thing that the disciples explicitly asked for help in, isn't this interesting? The one thing that they wanted help with was to help them to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ever say, teach us to preach or teach, or to plant churches, or to start a business, or to share our faith. They said, teach us to pray, because they could see that this was the key to everything about their rabbi's ministry, and they say, teach us to pray. I want some of that. Now, these men went on to have incredible prayer lives. They're apostles. They prayed over handkerchiefs and saw people healed, people raised from the dead. They even prayed for their persecutors to the point of death. Amazing prayer warriors, we would call them. But their lives had to begin with them humbly saying, we actually need help in this area. And that's what we're really doing at the start of this series. We're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And over these next eight Sundays, because... The truth is, we all find it difficult. I mean, disclaimer, I am definitely not an expert at praying. In fact, I struggle in my prayer life. The struggle is real, and I know that many of you can relate to it, because I've done EHS, and even to find time on a daily basis to carve that out for God is a challenge. And so I'm pretty convinced that all of us feel like our prayer lives could be better. You know, Pete Greek shared the story of Teresa of Avilia, who was like this big saint, this holy nun, and she once admitted that sometimes she shakes her hourglass so that her hour prayer would go quicker. I'm sure she raised some eyebrows when she admitted to that in her day. But I think that we can all relate to Teresa in that situation. I definitely can. Because prayer is difficult, isn't it? And the good news is, Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, is is that when we ask him for help, he actually promises to help us. He doesn't say, figure it out yourself, or it's in the scripture. He said, okay, let me give you some pointers here. And when you say to people the word prayer, everyone has a different idea of what actually that means. And that's because there are actually lots of different ways of praying. There's not just one right way to pray. It's a bit like a toolbox, There's a bunch of different tools in the toolbox, right? There's hammers, there's screwdrivers. Now, Darius knows this better than me, and he knows I'm pretty hopeless with tools, (laughs) so I often get his help with that. 
But if I, if I hired um, a handyman to come round, and um, he came round and I wanted him to fix something, and he said, well, I only know how to use a hammer. I don't know how to use a screwdriver. He wouldn't be a very good handyman, would he? And in the same way, sometimes we can kind of get locked into only using one tool when it comes to prayer, when actually there's a whole bunch of tools that we can use to be more effective. And so why limit yourself in your prayer life? So that's what we want to do in this course. We want to learn about the depth and the breadth of different types of prayer so that we can grow in our prayer life. There's a whole range available to us. And so the, the Lord's Prayer is a bit like a toolbox. And we're going to go through those different tools over these next few Sundays. And our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Next Sunday, we're going to look at adoration, the hallowing of God's name. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. That's talking about intercession. That's, then we have give us this day our daily bread. Well, that's a number of things. Firstly, that's petition. Petition is asking God for our own needs, whereas intercession is asking God about other people's needs. But daily bread is also about listening to God. Because his word is spiritual as well as physical, we're going to, be, we're going to think about listening and about unanswered prayer as well, because we all have disappointments, we all have struggles, and we need to be honest about those. And we're also going to look at contemplative prayer. Some of us have been experimenting with that in EHS, for example, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course, if you're not used to the acronym. And then finally, we're going to look at Deliver Us from the Evil One. Well, that's kind of spiritual warfare. So we're going to look at all these different kinds of tools, different types of prayer, and we will be sharing resources from 24-7 prayer. And it's going to be a bit like a tool shed for us. There are going to be a lot of practical articles and different types of prayer, and we're going to go through the material in the Connect groups, discussing them as a group, practicing, sharing feedback with each other. But, you know, the, to summarize the course, uh, or at least today's sermon, is best said in Pete Greig's words. He says this, when it comes to prayer... Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Why pray? Your prayer life really is at its best when it is at its simplest. I often tell the story about when I was attending a Christian festival as a young man, and I saw a random volunteer out in a field far, far away from the stage and all of the entertainment that was going on. And he was just out there directing cars. And I just had this thought in my heart, wow, what an amazing job this guy's doing. You know, no one sees what he's doing, but he's doing an incredible job. And I got an impression on my heart that I've now learned is actually the voice of God say to me, I love this man. And I was just completely broken. I was just weeping. I just, I just felt how much God loved this random volunteer in the middle of a field. And here's the point. I know that like, that's probably one of the most underwhelming stories, right? Nothing miraculous happened. It was just a random guy in a field, and God said, I love him. Well, of course, it says in the Bible, right? <laughs> but actually, your prayer life is at its best when you're saying stuff like, what a great job this person is doing or thank you for this lovely day, or whatever. The simple things in life, giving thanks, noticing, listening. 
I remember during the pandemic, my boss lamented the fact that he could no longer meet his team face to face. So I suggested, hey, why don't you do walk and talks in Malmo, like meet people up in the park and walk and talk about the strategy of the company. And he loved my idea, but it's actually the oldest form of meetings known to mankind. The Bible says that Adam and Eve used to walk and talk with God in the cool of the evening every day. That's how it was before, which is fascinating when you consider that this was before any sin or sickness or suffering in the world. So basically before there were any problems. So then I'm asking myself, well, what did he have to talk? What did they have to talk to him about? Because mostly, I don't know about you, but mostly what I speak to God about, if I'm not careful, is problems, right? It's healing, it's this person needs help, it's confessing my sins, asking God to help with my problems, or things I see around me, people I want to see saved. And actually, I, I, I never actually... They, what did they used to talk about? I mean, they must have said stuff like, hey, God, what an awesome sunset tonight. I mean, I, like, this was before any sin, any sickness. What did they have to talk to him about? And it's interesting when you consider the fact that one day there will be no more sin or sickness. There will be no more problems, no suffering in the world. But we will be just us and God. So what are we going to talk to him about? Our prayer list is getting pretty short now, right? No, sometimes if I'm not careful, the only thing I can talk to my wife about are the practical things around the dinner table. Oh, that back fence just broke. I think we need to fix that. That was one from this week. <laughs> the wind. Uh, the kids need to be in school early tomorrow. That's a good one. And I know that that's not, if that's the sum of our conversations, that is not a great recipe for an awesome marriage right? It needs to be a little bit more than that, than just the practical things, right? And that's the thing. Our prayer lives really are at their best when we are simply walking and talking with God about the real stuff of life, enjoying his company. So your prayer life is at its best when it's simplest. And Jesus says that explicitly, if we read the message version of Matthew chapter 6, listen to this. I mean, not really. I mean, this kind of teaching is right at the heart of this series. Matthew 6, 6 says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Role play before God. I think I might have done that at times. Very guilty of that one. Just be there, he says, as simply and as honestly as you can manage and the focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. This world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better that you, than you what you, actually, what you need. With a God, God like this loving you, says Jesus, you can pray very simply. And then he goes on to give the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus is explicit. We should keep it simple, but we should also keep it real. He says, don't role play before God. Be honest. Don't pretend. Actually, I find that the Bible was way more honest than the church about the pain and disappointments and unanswered prayer 
that we experience. Often the Bible is actually not so happy clappy, but it's deeply honest. There's a parable that Jesus told in Luke 18, 9 to 14 about the Pharisee and the tax collector who go up to the temple to pray. I'm not sure if I have the scripture up there, but it's in the Bible app. I'll read it for you. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I got. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. Imagine Jesus telling that. There's this crowd, and there would most definitely have been Pharisees in that crowd, and then other people who probably fought they were really bad at prayer compared to these big, holy Pharisees. So Jesus, in telling this story, I think there's a little twinkle in his eyes as he says, the Pharisee prayed all the right prayers. You know, I thank you that I'm not like those other men. And then the tax collector, despised by the people, he's hiding in the corner, rocking backwards and forwards, just saying, I'm a sinner. And then Jesus, I imagine him winking at one of the Pharisees, in the crowd, when he says, he goes, which of them went home heard by the father? It was the tax collector. So Jesus is saying, be honest, be real, be yourself with God. So we've got to keep it simple, and we've got to keep it real. But also, Jesus says, keep it up. Don't give up praying too soon. And again, he told another parable about a widow who lost a coin. And he says in, explicitly in that, you must keep praying and not give up. Now, our son Eden is at that stage where he's trying to write more, uh, but he's not quite there yet. We, just on the plane back from the UK, he was writing something for me and was really proud to show me. And uh, he just scribbles away he's on bits of paper. And we encourage him anyways uh, so he would say, look what I wrote. And we're like, oh, great job. Like, awesome. But every now and then, he actually asked me to read what it says on the paper. <laughs> uh, uh, it's easy, Dad. You can read. Tell me what it says. Like, he doesn't know what it says. <laughs> uh, and you stare at it thinking, obviously, it's nonsense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Glad he's not here. <laughs> but what I found is, I could look at his face, and as his dad, I could kind of read his face, what it says there, right? I knew the kind of day he had, and I know the, like, the weird things that are going on in his head, the, the way he was feeling, what we'd just been talking about, maybe, um, and I could probably even see like, what he's just been eating on his face, for example, and so I, I could guess what the scribbles meant, and as I, as I read what I think it says, I can see if it's like warm or cold, yes, <laughs> just continue. And if he's nodding, saying, good job, dad, good reading, well done. 
as I tell them what it says. And, and that, as a parent, is really some of the best reading you will ever do. I do think prayer is a lot like that. We kind of obsess about getting the right words, the right techniques, but it doesn't impress God. Our Father in heaven, he reads our faces, our hearts. He knows the kind of day we've had, the, the weird little things that are going on in our head, and he interprets our prayers for us. That's exactly what it actually says in Romans 8. One of the great passages about prayer in the Bible, Romans 8, 26 to 27, says, now listen to this and think of that image of a kid with their scribbles. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Do you ever feel like that? I do. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So imagine the next time you're trying to pray, you don't know the words, you're struggling to find them. If you, if you, you don't know if you're getting through and you don't know if you're quite articulating what's really going on. The Holy Spirit is interceding and groans for you at that moment. And then it goes on to say, and he who searches our hearts. So imagine me searching the heart of my son in the same way, your father in heaven, he who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Isn't that beautiful? It's not about the scribbles. It's about the heart. I love that. It's so reassuring to me, the struggles in his prayers, that the Holy Spirit is doing what we don't know, what to, when we don't know what to say. He's interceding for us. So then just to kind of recap as we come into a close, we talked about, we said that we, we just need to ask Jesus to teach us to pray. So that's how we're starting this Sunday humbly saying, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to be better at this. I want to be a man or woman of prayer because I've seen the fruits and that's the kind of life that I want to live. And we learned that prayer is kind of like a toolbox. There's lots of different types of prayer. And maybe you're familiar with some of them. You're maybe good at some, not so great at others, and that's okay. And we're going to learn about a whole different bunch of them. Some of it might be new to you. But remember, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. I'm going to invite the band up now. So um, just to come in closing, we're going to be having communion this morning. So we're going to be gathering around the Lord's table, drinking of the juice and eating of the bread. And I think this fits perfectly to the theme of today. Now, I've been using AI a lot of work. Anyone using AI, or are you religiously against it? Okay, cool. <laughs> Some hands there. And it's a great tool. It really is a great tool, and it saves me a lot of time. But there's a lot of debate going on right now about the ethics of its use and fears of how it could negatively affect society. I'm sure you're familiar with the discussions, that it might replace jobs, and potentially make relationships redundant. You know, a lot of doomsday speakers out there. Now, AI is, I find the conversation fascinating because to me it speaks to something in people. AI is very effective at giving answers with knowledge. 
But the, the response often that we long for in relationship, I believe, is actually not knowledge per se, but it's presence. We're looking for attention. We're looking for a listening ear. And that's something that AI can never replicate in the same way. See, we may go to God with questions, but it's his presence in the response that actually makes the difference for us. Having the Father in heaven's attention is all we really need. That's how people can live with unanswered questions, with that tension, through struggles and hardships in this life, when they can experience heaven and earth, when they can commune with the living God, his closeness. For me, that is so special about prayer. That's the thing that makes a difference for me. It's that closeness to the Father, so precious. And so many of our issues in life, so many of our struggles, it's a result of isolation from the Father. What we need more than anything else, I believe, more than even the prayer answers at times, is just to be close to Him. You know, James 4, 8, the whole passage is basically talking about, hey, don't wait, just come to God. Come to God and get sorted. And James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And we're going to be doing that in a very practical way this morning because I'm going to be inviting you up to, to the Lord's table to, to eat of the bread, which is Jesus Christ's body broken for you, to drink of the juice, which is Jesus Christ's blood poured out for you. And as we do that, as we examine ourselves and, and ask God to be in union with us this morning. We join with him. We communion with him. We, we draw near to him and he draws near close to us. And so I want you just to reflect on that, meditate on that this morning as we take communion. What we are actually looking for, maybe you have some things, I'm actually looking for something very specific. But I believe what we need first and foremost is to have communion with God, relationship with him. And we're going to do that this morning in a powerful way as we gather around the table. So before we do that, I want to read from Matthew 26, 26 to 28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I'm going to invite you now to come up. First, this section here, if you will come up, take of the juice and the bread you can take it back to your seat and as we are in a time of worship take it in your own time 